Father in heaven, we thank you for this time to come and study your word again. We thank you, Lord, for your watch care over us. And Father, even now we are pleading for the blessing of your Holy Spirit to be poured upon us as you inspired those words with your spirit. May you inspire our hearts and minds, give us receptive minds to understand and especially wisdom to know how to apply these words to our lives today. Thank you, O Lord, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, greetings to everybody out there. Thank you for joining us today. And we are continuing our study series on the early kings, where we are studying about the first three kings of the Israelites, and that is Saul, David, and Solomon. But before we get there, we're still looking at a bit more of a background, and the title of our study today is One Woman's Promise. And today in particular, we're going to be looking at Samuel the prophet. Samuel was born in a time when the children of Israel had gone into apostasy. They had left the Lord and they'd fallen back into to, uh, wickedness and idolatry. And the book of Judges ends this way. In Judges 21 and verse 25, the Bible says, In those days, there was no king in Israel. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. People were doing what they wanted to do. They were worshipping what they wanted to worship. Every idol and foreign god out there was on their list except the true God which had led them into the promised land. People had departed from being faithful to God. And so with that, this is the circumstances of which Samuel is born into. This is a situation of the nation of Israel at that time. But now let's go over to 1 Samuel chapter 1, and we're reading verses 1 and 2. We're looking at the background of the birth of Samuel. Now there was a certain man of Ramathath Zophim of Mount Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroham the son of Eluhu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuf, an Ephrathite. And he had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other, Penina. And Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. So here we see a man, and he had two wives. Elkanah, he had two wives, Hannah and Penina. And Hannah would be the one that would eventually be the mother of Samuel. But at the beginning, here we read that she actually could not have kids at all. And friends, in those days, if you could not have children, it was looked upon as almost a curse from God. You must have done something wrong. You must have been a bad person for God to, quote unquote, punish you this way. But of course, we know that's not true today. However, Elkanah, he tries his best as a husband to show how much he still loved Hannah, even though she couldn't have kids. Let's keep reading verses 3 through 5 of 1 Samuel chapter 1. And this man went up out of his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hopni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord were there. And when the time that was the time was that Elkanah offered, he gave to Penina his wife, and to all her sons and daughters, portions. But unto Hannah 
he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah, but the Lord had shut up her womb. So when he went up to sacrifice there, um, you know, Elkanah, he would give portions to all his wives and his children, but it says there that to Hannah, he would give a worthy portion, probably the biggest portion of all of them. He loved her very much, and he himself was sad to see that she could not have children and that she was probably already feeling down as well. But what else made this situation worse? What else put more stress and pressure and brought more sadness upon Hannah? Let's keep reading in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. And her adversary also provoked her sore, for to make her fret, because the Lord had shut up her womb. And as he did so year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her, therefore she wept and did not eat. Now, who was this adversary that was poking at her, that was making her life miserable? It was the other wife of Elkanah. It was Penina. She mocked her and she made fun of her because she could not have kids. And so it, it just made the whole situation much, much worse. The fact that the other wife could have children and she could not, it just made things worse already by the situation itself. But for that other wife to keep poking at her and making mockery of her, it just made it so distressing. She must have been wondering what was wrong with her and why had the Lord done such a thing to, ha- to her for, for things to happen to her like this. But Elkanah, he would do his very best, as a good husband would, to console his wife in this, in this situation. You see, in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 8, we read, Then Elkanah said, her husband to, said to her, Hannah, why weepest thou? And why eatest thou not? Why is thy heart grieved? Am not I better to thee than ten sons? You know, when we read this verse and Elkanah at the end there says, hey, aren't I better than, than and 10 sons and any children you could ever have? You know, Elkanah was just a typical man. He just did not understand the distress of his wife. He, he's doing his best. He's trying to console her with words or whatever it is, but it just seems like he just doesn't get it. He doesn't get it. And so even though he's trying to help, it doesn't make the situation any better. So as they're up there for the sacrifice, the yearly sacrifice, in her distress, what does Hannah decide to do? Let's keep reading. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 9 to 10. So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh and after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by a post of the temple of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. What did Hannah do? She learned to bring her bitterness to God. She learned to bring her problem, her her burden to God. Though she could not have a child though, it did not make her bitter against God. She, She did not let the circumstance that she was going through affect her devotion and her love towards God. She would learn to bring this whole situation to God in prayer. And so even though she was going through this difficult time, and and yes, the Bible did say that God had closed up her womb, and God takes responsibility in a sense for that, but she doesn't know that. She's going through this difficult time, and she's weeping, she's crying, she's carrying this heavy burden, she's calling out to God. 
She's asking for help. She's not complaining to him and blaming him. She's just asking for comfort, for something, for help. And you know, friends, how often when we go through difficulties in life and circumstances that are not so pleasant to us, often it pushes us further away from God rather than closer to him, doesn't it? Many times we become angry at God, who's the innocent party, rather than bringing our distress to him. Friends, what do you do when things don't go the way you intended or planned? Do you find yourself getting angry at God? Do you decide then to skip church or skip your devotion and you don't, you don't feel like it because of this situation or the circumstance that you're going through? Do we become more unfaithful to God because He doesn't answer our prayers or He doesn't give us what our hearts desire? And, you know, we, we, maybe we've been healthy, we've been living right, we've been faithful, we've been going to church, we've been doing all these things, and yet somehow God does not bless me with a child. And we begin to wonder, God, why? Why? And sometimes we're tempted to think in our minds, what's the use anyways? God, you don't even hear us. Why? Why should I even pray? And many times, because of situations that don't go the way we wanted and the way we planned, we give up on God. We turn away from God. It changes our action towards Him and our thoughts towards Him and our devotion towards Him. And so often Satan, he brings in trials and temptations into our lives and we become worse rather than better. We backslide. We fall away from God rather than clinging tighter to Him. But this was not the case with Hannah that even though she was going through such a bitter trial, she couldn't have any children. And then the other wife could. And not just that, but to make things worse, that other wife was poking at her, making fun of her, making a mockery of her, telling her that she must have been some evil person and done something really bad for such a thing to happen to her. But even though she was going through all these circumstances, she learned to bring her complaint and her distress to God. She had learned to pray even when she didn't feel like praying. The comfort of her husband was of no avail. It was not enough. However, instead of turning to the arm of flesh, she would run to the arm of God. And so she was praying. And what was Hannah's prayer? Let's keep reading in 1 Samuel chapter 1 and verse 11. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, If thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid, and remember me, and not forget thine handmaid, but wilt give unto thine handmaid a man-child, then I will give give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. In her prayer, in her her distress, in, in her extreme situation and she was desperate. She cried out to God and she didn't just ask for a son, but she made a vow. She made a promise. She said, God, if you give me a son, I will dedicate him to you. I will give him to you. This was her desperate plea, her last plea to God. She was willing to do anything just to have a son so long as God would grant her that request. And you know, whilst Hannah is praying there and she's coming before God, Eli the priest is sitting on the side and and he's watching this whole situation unfold. What's going on in his mind? 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 12 to 14. And it came to pass as she continued praying before the Lord 
that Eli marked her mouth. Now Hannah, she spoke in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought that she had been drunken. And Eli said unto her, How long wilt thou be drunken? Put away thy wine from thee. So Eli the priest, he, he's sitting there watching Hannah pray, and Hannah is praying silently. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, sometimes it's better to pray out loud so we can keep our focus. But in this case, Hannah was definitely focused. She knew what she came to the temple to pray for. And so she was praying, but she was praying silently. She was intense, but she was silent. And her lips were moving. And Eli, as he looked there, he's like, this woman is drunk. She's drunk with wine. And she's come here to the temple just to, to, to sleep or to get some rest. And so he rebuked her. But what a sad situation this must have been, that the priest thought someone had come into the temple drunk. I mean, it must have been a common occurrence at this time. Since the children of Israel were largely unfaithful to God, holy things were lightly esteemed or lightly regarded. And so probably this was not something unusual. And so Eli, he just assumed this woman's drunk. That was the first thought in his mind. He didn't even think that she was praying. But upon hearing that Hannah was actually praying, Eli's heart is touched. You know, Hannah defends herself. No, 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 I'm not drunk. I'm not drunk. I'm pouring out my my distress and my problems and my burdens to God. She tells him, look, I am just praying. What does Eli say in response? 1 Samuel chapter 1 and verse 17. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. And so Eli, touched by the sincerity and the deep devotion, maybe it it was not uh, a common occurrence anymore for people to come and pray so often. And so his heart is touched and he says to the woman, to Hannah, May God grant you your petition. And guess what? By and by, God does hear the prayer of Hannah and he does open her womb. And as a result, she is able to get pregnant and give birth to a baby boy. Let's keep reading. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 21 to 22. And the man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer unto the Lord the yearly sacrifice and his vow. But Hannah went not up, for she said unto her husband, I will not go up until the child be weaned, and then I will bring him, that he may appear before the Lord, and there abide forever. So Elkanah is about to go up again for the yearly sacrifice. It's a yearly occurrence. But Hannah says to her husband, I'm not going to go up. I am going to go only when the child is weaned, and then I'm going to follow through with my promise. I'm going to dedicate the Lord, uh, him to the Lord forever. And you know, nowadays, Babies are are weaned about one year old, maybe earlier. Some aren't even breastfed anymore. But, you know, many mothers, they want to go back to work. They're tired of breastfeeding or, you know, for other reasons. And, And many of us, we just think one year is enough. However, in those days, back in the olden days, a child would be weaned at around the age of three or even up to the age of five years old. Yes, I've seen some sons and some children that, Even at the age of seven, they're still not weaned from the mother's breast. So it it still happens today, but in those days, it was not after one year. 
It was after a few years, from the age of three up to the age of five. So this would mean that Hannah would not bring the child to Jerusalem until he was probably about the age of five years old. And the reason why I say five is because, you see, after, after she brought him there, she would leave him there. And at the age of five, probably that would be the better age, maybe even a bit older, who knows, up to the age of seven. So it would be quite a few years, not just one year, because surely Eli would not take care of this child from the age of one, or even age of five seems a bit too young. But anyways, this means that she would not go up for five years at the very least. Now, if you're on the outside looking at this situation and you're seeing what Hannah just said, you heard her response, you know the vow that she's made to God. What would you be thinking of Hannah? Would be thinking that she's trying to get out of this situation, of this vow that she's made to God, right? Before this, she couldn't have a child and, and who knows when God might give her another one. We don't know. And this was the only son that she had up to this point. So, of course, she was a protective mother, a possessive mother. She didn't want to lose her only son. She just prayed for this son. God gave it to her. And now maybe she's rethinking the promise that she made. Maybe she was just too down and depressed and, and, the, and, the, and the promise that she made was just too rash. And so she's trying to figure out some way to get out of her vow or her promise. And that's like us too sometimes, isn't it? We get desperate. We're in a situation where we're just needing some help or whatever, and we say, God, I'll do whatever, right? And we make some rash promises here and there. And I think if we were in Hannah's situation, no son, desperately wanting a son or a child, that we would have probably prayed the same prayer. And look, let's continue. 1 Samuel chapter 1 and verse 23. And Elkanah, her husband, said unto her, Do what seemeth thee good. Tarry until thou have weaned him. Only the Lord establish his word. So the woman abode and gave her son suck until she weaned him. So Elkanah, he, he sounds supportive. He says what? You look, do what seems good. You tarry here until the child is weaned, right? But then he says at the very end there, what? Only the Lord establish his word. What did he mean by that? What does it mean? I mean, I guess we can guess, but let, let me just give you another translation of what it says here in 1 Samuel 1 and verse 23. So in the King James, we see here, only the Lord establishes work. But in the New Living Translation, it says, what if you think is best? Elkanah agreed. Stay here for now. And then it says what? And may the Lord help you keep your promise. Elkanah was careful to remind Hannah of the vow that she had made. Obviously, she must have told Elkanah as well about it. But he reminds her and says, be careful to keep the promise that you made to God. Make sure you follow through with it. So even he was having a bit of an apprehension. Maybe my wife is backing out against the vow that, that she's made to God. And so, you know, God had done his part, opened up the womb, allowed her to get pregnant, give her a son, and now she needed to be faithful to do her part. And like I said, so often it is easy for us to make promises in the heat of a moment, or at least 
that's how we feel. We want to do something, and you know, we pledge things to God, and we, and we make promises. And sometimes when we look back and look at these promises, we we wonder, what was I thinking? Why did I do that? And it required such a big sacrifice to follow through with this. Now and. We think it's too rash. Oh God, if you get me a job, I'm going to give you not just 10% tithe, but I'll give you 10% offering as well, or 20% offering. And we make these promises to God, but then we back out because it seems like this amount is too much. Was was what Hannah making in terms of a vow a lot? Yes. She only had one son at that point anyways, and she was willing to give the son to the Lord. It seemed like it was too much, too extreme. But you see, friends, we got to make sure that we follow through with our vows. We've got to make sure that we don't back out of promises that we make. We see such a situation in the Bible, in the book of Acts. Look at this, Acts chapter 5, verses 1 to 3. But a certain man named Ananias, with Sapphira his wife, sold a possession and kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet, And Peter said, Ananias, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? You see, Ananias and Sapphira, they they were touched by the gospel and the early church as it was growing. They decided to sell their house, their land, and give it to the Lord's work. And they sold it for a certain sum. But then, you know, I guess as they were looking at this money that they had received from the sale of their land, they started to get a bit covetous. Oh, one million dollars. Let's keep a hundred thousand. At least, you know, we could do something with that. And so they were intending to give it to the Lord's work. They pledged it, but after selling it, they got a bit covetous. And so they held back part of it and yet still told Peter, hey, we sold the land for this much. Instead of saying we sold it for a million, we sold it for 900,000, here it is. And they lied. And as a result, When they kept back part of that money, they lied to God and they paid with their lives. Both of them passed away. They were struck down by the Lord for not going through with the vow and especially lying to God. Both of them perished. And you know, friends, this is how serious God takes our word. This is how serious God takes our promises. It's not that we should never make any promises. But if God blesses us and we have made this vow, God, if you'll bless me with this, I will do this. We got to make sure we hold up our end of the bargain if God comes through with his. We're going to make sure that we will pay that which we have vowed. And so Elkanah, he's careful to remind Hannah of her commitment. Would she be faithful? Would she really dedicate this son, her only son to the Lord, to fully serve him. Let's keep reading. 1 Samuel chapter 1, 24 to 28. And when she had weaned him, she took him up with her with three bullocks and one ephah of flour and a bottle of wine and brought him unto the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And the child was young and they slew a bullock and brought the child to Eli. And she said, O my Lord, As thy soul liveth, my Lord, I am the woman that stood by thee here, praying unto the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord hath given me my petition, which I asked of him. Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord. And he worshipped the Lord there. 
Hannah, she was faithful to the vow that she had made to the Lord. She would bring Samuel at a young age to dedicate him to God and then leave him there in the temple to serve God. He was young, probably around the age of five, and you know, whatever age he was, he was a young boy serving God in the temple with Eli, the high priest. You know, I have a son who's about five, turning six soon, and I don't know if I could leave him with someone else, especially a stranger, because she had not gone up to Jerusalem for all these times that he had not been weaned. So this is the first time Samuel is meeting Eli, the high priest. And let's even just say 10 years old, right? Even if Samuel was 10 years old, my 10-year-old child would probably find it difficult to stay with this stranger. It just goes to show the good training of Hannah, that from the very beginning, she never intended to change her mind. She never dared to, to go against the vow that she had made to God. She knew that was coming. She knew the day was coming that she would leave her son behind that one time that she would go up to sacrifice. And so she began to train him. She began to remind him. She began to tell him the the, the background of his birth and what was the reason why God had brought him into existence, why she was able to have a son. So this son must have been special, but not just special, but she knew that God had given him for a reason to be lent to the Lord forever. She knew that God had answered her prayer and given this child for a specific purpose, not just to fulfill her desires of, oh, I want to have a son. I don't want to have the reproach from the other wife to keep mocking me. No, she knew that he was destined for something great in the Lord's work. He had to be something of a great blessing to the nation of Israel. And you know, friends, often God works miracles in our lives and we like to lay stake of all those blessings and take it for ourselves. He blesses us with, with talents. He, he, he performs miracles in our lives and gives us so many different things and often we fail to see that God wants us to be a greater blessing to everyone else around us because of what he has blessed us with. Hannah was not like that. She recognized, she knew She knew that this son was given to her for a purpose. And she knew that this miracle had been performed not just for her own selfish desires, but for the greater good of God's work. Do you recognize the blessings that God gives you? Do you recognize the blessings that come into your life? Do you recognize that when when God gives you health and strength, It's so that you can serve him with more energy and zeal, not so that you can be uh, breaking Olympic records and, and gaining fame and becoming the best athlete in the world and win all these championships and gold medals. No, God blesses us with health so that we can do even more. God blesses us with wisdom so that we can write books to to share with people or to have a deeper understanding of the work that needs to be done and planning together with others, putting our minds together to plan. He doesn't give us this wisdom so that we can become New York Times um, number one bestseller. No, he doesn't give us this wisdom so that we can plan more businesses for ourselves and make ourselves multimillionaires. No, he gives us this wisdom so that we can be a blessing to others. God blesses us with health, uh, wealth, pardon me, with money so that we could advance the kingdom of God. We can help those that are in need and support those that are in the gospel work. 
He doesn't give it so that we can live a more luxurious life and have more expensive cars and houses and live in luxury while we're waiting for Jesus to come. No, friends. Do you recognize the reason why God blesses you? So often when these blessings come, we forget. We forget God. He's the first one to to depart out of our minds, you know. But you see, Hannah, she realized that the blessing that God gave her in answering her prayer and the desires of her heart, she recognized that this son was destined for something bigger. She made a vow. She made a promise to God that she would dedicate him to his service. And too often, we don't dedicate our blessings to God, friends. We don't think about God when we're asking for blessings. We don't think about God when we're asking for money. We usually look at it from a selfish purpose, hoarding it for our own benefit. And the world often is no better off with the blessings that God has given to his children. I hope that's not the case for each and every one of you that are listening. But after Hannah leaves, Samuel is there at the temple. And she is grateful for this blessing, you know. She praises God, even though it was a big sacrifice to her to leave behind her only son, her prayed-for son. She's not grumbling. She's not second-guessing God. But her lips are full of praise to God. Let me show you. First Samuel chapter 2, verses 1 to 2. And Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoiceth in the Lord. Mine horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth is enlarged over mine enemies because I rejoice in thy salvation. There is none holy as the Lord, for there is none beside thee. Neither is there any rock like our God. You know, friends, she never wavered on her promise. And she recognized that God was faithful to her and merciful to her. He didn't owe her anything. She owed him everything. And so even though there was this big sacrifice, she was full of praise and thanksgiving, focusing on God's provision rather than on the sacrifice that she had to make to leave now her only son behind in to serve in the temple of God. And then we read 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 11. And Elkanah went to Ramah his house, and the child did minister unto the Lord before Eli the priest. So Samuel was left behind to serve. And then we read verse 18 to 19. But Samuel ministered before the Lord, being a child, girded with a linen ephod. Moreover, his mother made him a little coat and bore it to him from year to year when she came up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. Samuel, he was dressed in a linen ephod. And that was not only the priest's clothing. It was also the clothing of common people as well. And so, you know, we we see this also in King David. He also wore a linen ephod when when he danced before the Lord and brought the the temple, uh, pardon me, the Ark of the Covenant back to the temple. It says here, David danced before the Lord with all his might and David was girded with a linen ephod. So it wasn't certainly only, I mean, it wasn't only the the dress code of uh, the Levite or the priest, but it was also for the common people. And so, you know, Samuel, he was dressed in the garb of common people. However, the significance of him wearing this clothing, it also showed that he was being groomed for more than just a position in the sanctuary services. You see, Hannah not only offered her son to God, but she would come every year to bring a little coat. Her son was continually on her heart and on her mind. 
And in the same way, friends, we are continually in God's heart and God's mind. and He desires to make us a royal priesthood as well. He desires for us to do his work, to be prepared, to be trained to do his work as well. God continually watches over all of us. He didn't just give Jesus to die for us once for our sins, but he even now continue to meet our needs as well. That is the life and the love of Hannah that we see is comparable to the love of God as well. But not just that. In second, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 20 and 21, what else does God do? And Eli blessed Elkanah and his wife and said, The Lord give thee seed of this woman for the loan which is lent to the Lord. And they went unto their own home. And the Lord visited Hannah so that she conceived and bare three sons and two daughters. And the child Samuel grew before the Lord. You know, as a result of Hannah being true to her commitment, true to her vow that she had promised and made to the Lord, the Lord, through Eli, blessed her with even more children. And you know, so often we look at the sacrifice that we have to make and we say, God, this is too much. I don't know when I'm going to have this amount of money again. I don't know when I'm going to have these resources again. I don't know if I can really let my child go and serve you, you know. But God blesses us with even more if we are willing to fully surrender everything to him. As a result of her sacrifice, Hannah had more children. And God was still with Samuel as well. God continued to bless Samuel and he would grow up before the Lord. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 26 says this, And the child Samuel grew on and was in favor both with the Lord and also with men. Samuel, he was in favor with not just God, but also man as well. He was faithful to the Lord and he blessed him so much and that blessing overflowed to the nation of Israel. He would be in favor with them as well, the the men and women of Israel. He would have a good influence over them. And friends, you have to remember in those days that there was no king. Everyone was doing what was right in their own eyes. And Samuel, he was growing up in the midst of this wicked nation, but it was evident that God was with him. All because of a faithful mother who prayed for him. All because of a faithful mother who stayed true to her promise and her vow. And this resulted in one of the greatest blessings to the whole of the nation, just because of one woman's promise. And friends, God is no less particular today about the promises that we make. Let me show you. In Deuteronomy 23, verses 21 to 22, the Bible says, When thou shalt vow a vow unto the Lord thy God, thou shalt not slack to pay it, for the Lord thy God will surely require it of thee, and it would be sin in thee. But if thou shalt forbear to vow, it shall be no sin in thee. Do you see that? We're told in the Old Testament and Deuteronomy that if we make a vow and we don't follow through with it, it's sin. It is what? It is sin. That's why Ananias and Sapphira were struck down dead because of the lie that they made. They went back against the promise and the vow they made to God. And then Jesus also warns us in in his Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 37. But let your communication be yea, yea, 
Nay, nay, for whatsoever is more than these cometh of evil. We're going to make sure that our communication is clear, that when we say yes, we mean a yes. When we say no, we mean a no, so that when we promise to God that we will really follow through with it. And let's make sure that we, we, we do hold up to our end of the promises and the vows that we make from, to God, from the smallest of prayers to the big prayers that we've prayed. And who knows, what blessing will result, not upon our lives always. You know, we, we shouldn't always be looking at our lives only, but maybe God, He desires to bless you so that you can bless a whole nation, a whole country. Maybe there's something that you've asked of of God and He's answered, and maybe you've not given Him back all that glory. Let's make sure today that we come through and follow through with all the promises and vows that we make to God and even to man. May God bless you, my dear friends, that through you, you can be a blessing to the whole world, to nations, to kings, to countries, to communities that you live in, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. God desires for His people to be that great blessing to everyone around them. And friends, it begins with following through with our vows today. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, you have given us so many promises in your word, and not one of them have ever failed us. But So often, Lord, we have not followed through with our vows. Please, Lord, forgive us. And it's not that we should stop vowing, but Lord, as we make promises to you, give us the courage, the strength to follow through with these promises, that we would obtain the blessings that you desire to give us, not just to enrich our own lives, but to bless everybody around us. Lord, help us to be that source of blessing to the world as well. Help us to be that fountain that others can come and drink of, just as we have drunk from you as well. So guide us today, Lord. Lead us. Bless us is our earnest plea and prayer that we might be a blessing to the whole world. Thank you, Lord, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org. Dot audioverse.org.